Hello and welcome to the All Walks of Art podcast, a show for creatives and artists from all walks of life. If you stumbled on this podcast, stick around, listen, and become a regular. Find a comfy chair, pour your favorite beverage, and enjoy the show. On today's episode, Paul and I talk with the talented Nick Shaw. In the studio, the drink of choice is New Holland Brewery Company's Dragon's Milk Solera, a 10% alcohol by volume Fodor aged, or Fooder aged, I should say. I keep looking at the word and say Fodor. It's Fooder aged ale. And uh, you don't really need to know what that's about, but we could talk about it. We might. Oh, we're going Paul, to. I knew it. I, 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 just, right there it is. I just knew it. Here we go. He's going to start complaining. I'm trying, not, I'm trying not to interrupt you, but. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's a fooder aged. It's not like stuck in food or anything. Right. But we'll get there. Something about new gear and a chaotic month of stuff from camera manufacturers, Apple, GoPro, et cetera, and all those goodies that came out in September which is making all of us with gear acquisition syndrome broke. So without any further delay, let me welcome back to the show my good friend Paul, the man who doesn't need a plan, the destroyer of sunflowers, a god among us all, my friend and Sunday drinking afternoon buddy. Good to see you, Paul. Hey, why do I destroy sunflowers? I, I, I just figured you hate them. I thought you were going to say uteruses. <laughs> destroyer of uteruses. <laughs> well, we could have done that. We could have done that. Save it. On the show today is a cybersecurity superhero by trade, who is also a fantastic photographer and videographer, a creative in many ways, the great Nick Shaw. Welcome to the show, Nick. Mr. Warth, happy to be here. <laughs> happy we can finally make this happen. We've been talking about this for, feels like months now. It, it has. It, it's just constantly like, hey, we need to do this. And, and even some other things we've been talking about. So I'm, I'm actually really excited about doing this today. Where's he broadcasting from? New York. Oh, I'm, right. Yeah, I'm out of Rochester, New York. So born and raised here, went to university. And uh, until COVID happened, I was traveling the world for my day job, as Mike said, cybersecurity and previously industrial automation. Um, so I've got my own little studio. That's my side little hobby, fun house, if you will, uh, that I'm recording out of. So once uh, Mike saw some of my gear that I recently got, he's like, dude, we, we need to get on, talk about beer, talk about the arts and uh, press record. And See what comes out of it. Yeah. Beer yeah. and gear. Yeah. Beer he, and gear. He ended up getting one of those really cool SM7Bs. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm 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 digging it. I already I already really like the whole we're we're doing this remotely for anybody who who's listening. Uh Nick is not in studio with us. He's in New York. And uh here we sit in central Ohio. And I can tell you from all the guests we've had on the show, yours actually sounds very, very pleasant and nice. I love it. Which is weird because you're not even hearing the SM7B yet. Like that's oh, not yeah. that's not even fed into <laughs> my computer. Oh, what you're actually hearing? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We're we're going probably most likely through earbuds or something like that, right? Yep. So we get, must have a good connection for once. I don't know. So uh, what are you drinking today, Nick? I am drinking a. I, I'm not drinking beer. I contemplated that based off of previous interactions, and I decided to go with Basil Hayden's Caribbean Reserve Rye. That's a 40% alcohol by volume, um, limited release that it's a rye, um, that's finished off with rum. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I have not had that. Now you want it, don't you? I do. I've had Basil Hayden's, but I've never had that, that particular. Yeah. This this one's actually pretty special. I've had this bottle actually since I started this little studio office space. So I think I bought this to kind of share with friends to convince them to help me paint the walls. Yeah, this disgusting blue color that was in here. <laughs> so we cracked this open and went through most of it, and I still have some left. So it's 
kind of a special bottle because it's been over a year having this space. Oh, that's cool. I uh, and you're in a you're in a new space, is that right? Yeah, yeah. For the last uh, year, I've had my own LLC for a couple years now, but I decided to kind of uh, move that fun house out of my apartment. So this is oh, back before yeah. I had a house, so I had limited space. Is of course, you know, expanding gear over time that takes up a lot of space. If I want to get a big aperture light with a softbox, that takes up a ton of space. <laughs> yeah. So you quickly start taking over your living space with all your hobby stuff. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Um, so I was like, okay, I got to separate these out. I actually uh, worked for the company that owns the building um, about eight oh. years ago. So they we were able to kind of broker a deal of uh, consulting back and forth along with some billable time. And I still pay rent. But yeah, it, it's mostly for all creative hobbies and uh, friends that work remote the same to come hang out. And uh, we can work on some fun projects together. That's cool. That is cool. That is cool. I uh, I just poured our beer. What's a fooder? <laughs> a fooder is, is this, this going to be a long thing? It is not. I'm going to try to keep right. it really because our some of our fans want to know all the in, it, it, interesting it just stuff. Sounds like it should be like a, a blogger, like a food blogger. Yeah, exactly, fooder. exactly. <laughs> it's uh, the best way to describe it is it's it's an oversized wooden barrel. So normally you have your your typical. Uh, what are they, 250-gallon or something like that, barrels of, of like, bourbon, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, a fooder is a lot larger. I don't know really how much larger. I've seen some as big as, uh, you know, a garage door rolling out. You know, they, they've, they're huge. They can be. Oh, so this, this process is they set up a several, it's actually a Solera process where they set up a whole bunch of um, beer on top of each other. Let me grab the, let me grab the thing so you can get a visual. Oh, no, dropping shit. Uh, the carton actually has a, a pretty oh. neat little setup there where they, they basically you start from the top and you work your way down into the bottom Solera level. And that's the part that all the beer comes from. So it, it's, a, it's a long discussion. I don't really want to get into it too much because, you know, even though we're a, a drinking show, I, I know people aren't here really to learn about the beer and all that, but. We could give them a nice visual real quick, though, because I just did some Googling. So yes. I guess hire me for your, your research. Yes. Um, yeah, go ahead. Th- this thing is between 20 and 120 hectoliters. And mm. one hectoliter is 100 liters. So I just pictured the thing that's on Beer Fest, if you've ever seen that. Oh, yeah. Yes. When, when I, I, I keep calling him Farva because I can't remember who he is. But Farva, when he falls into the vat and then <laughs> yeah. sucks up all the beer, yeah. that's what this thing looks like. <laughs> it, it's pretty sizable. It is. Well, let's try this. I'm sure it's yeah, Paul's. Paul's, uh, Paul's getting a hold of it. He doesn't hate it. So your first impression, Paul, I got to hear. What, what do you think? Kind of woody. It is kind of woody. I'm, I'm actually surprised being the, the idea of the fooder is to not make it. It doesn't have as much surface area mm-hmm. to gather the wood flavor, but it, this has a really good flavor. Nick, I wish I'd give you a glass of it because it is really good. I, I mean, I, 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 I wish it. I could see Paul's face. We should yeah. have set up the webcam. <laughs> GH5 <laughs> on his face, get the reaction. <laughs> I, I don't hate it. It's a very strong not hate. Mm. Uh, how do I get to be the beer tester? The guy that hates beer. That's weird. That's, that's the perfect part because I can come in afterwards and correct you. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can be the asshole in the room. I'm actually drinking mine. I have a snifter, uh, stemmed one. They say... Uh, from their website, you can drink it without 
without a they they recommend a a snifter without a stem. I, I don't have any of those unfortunately, but I like it. I really do. Yeah, it's not bad. The aftertaste is really good too. It's not. It is. They don't really stick, but it's uh, it reminds me of like bourbon or something a little bit. Like yeah. there's a little. It's bourbony. Yeah. I may as well just ship over some of this basil Hayden see then. I'd like to try. I'd like to try it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's got a, a copper color to it. It's not black like like typical dragon's right. milk. So it it's interesting. Very interesting. So uh I got to know Nick. Does alcohol play any part in what you do? I mean do you uh I I know with your your cybersecurity thing it's probably probably not part of it, but when um, you you know when you're photogra- doing photography and doing some of your your work as a videographer. Uh, have you ever crossed paths with, with alcohol at all? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we just shot a video <laughs> for my buddy's channel. Um, I think it was a week ago when the new NVIDIA graphics cards came over. So he, he's got like a little nerd cave that he started when he moved into his house, started, you know, dabbling into YouTube. Um, so he kind of got the itch just as I did many years ago. And when we recorded that audio session, uh, we were drinking, I think it was like a Knob Creek maple. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it tends to loosen people up that, you know, aren't super comfortable with a camera in their face or, um, you know, sitting behind a microphone and just having a conversation. Yeah. So it, it depends on the setting. Um, I think in my office slash studio, there's definitely been um, various times where we've worked on different projects or, you know, s- stood back from what we're working on and had a drink to think about it and then came up with an idea that we can go further execute. Um, whether that's been something from a web design to video to photo to audio. So it, it definitely, I think, plays a part. I think in the cybersecurity business, <laughs> during the day, definitely not. But you have these you have these conferences you go to. I actually was at one right before COVID happened. I was in San Francisco. I think it was right during my birthday, so end of February. I think I got back to Rochester on like the, the 28th of February and then COVID kind of locked everything down a week or two later. So I was out there for this big event. And of course, like those have um, these event happy hours to mm-hmm. mingle and network. And then of course, you've got the, the entertainment aspect with customers when you're going to dinner and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so it, it, some of those nights can get pretty rowdy depending on the sponsored parties that you have all these massive companies, Microsoft, VMware, and the tech world that have these different mixers and different events with uh, musicians. So you'd have this big venue rented out. Like, I think I saw a train in a private party. Oh, wow. Um, and that was at this one bar that we went to for a partner event. But uh, yeah, I think for the creative side of things, definitely. Yeah. I, I think for our listeners, it probably good to have you tell us a little bit about your story you know what what really got you into the creative side of things and uh photography in particular a video and it just you know, what's your fascination with making stuff yeah so i think it goes way back um when, when i was pretty young i think around the age of six is when i built my first computer and that was just pure hey my my parents spent like four grand on something that had i think eight megabytes of ram which is like absurd to think about now. Right. Um, but yeah, so building my first computer back then and just like finding the parts that fit in the right slots on the motherboard and tinkering with tech, like really got it started. So there was always this thirst to kind of build something, whether it was um, with my hands with technology 
or design something. So playing video games a lot when I was growing up, I used to build websites when I was like 10 years old for the little gaming clubs or clans or guilds, whatever you want to call them. Nice. And I think that kind of started it all from a creative aspect of programming, designing these websites to kind of you know, be a place for the members to come to and get information or you know, display the rankings of within this guild. So the things that, you know, some gamers that play World of Warcraft or other stuff like that, they very much understand like the what we're what we were doing back then. Yeah. But playing these video games through the years and then I, I've always had like a cell phone with a camera. And I think I was a huge, you know, Nexus user for when Android phones started coming out and they had the Nexus program. Mm-hmm. And then eventually like the Pixels came out, which had a really, really nice camera. And of course iPhones were like kind of the best at the time. So I was always taking pictures with my phone. And then yeah. uh, I think throughout my travels, once I started coming across different people on YouTube that were vlogging and documenting their travels, I was like, well, I'm going to all these cool places. Most of my siblings were not having the opportunity or desire to travel until they were much, much older. I think I went on my first trip when I was 16 and that was like my first camera. We, we spent all this money on this little Olympus point and shoot, which I think I still have in my basement somewhere. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. So I, I actually wanted to see if I could, it's still got a, an SD card in it. So I kind of wanted to pull out and see what's on it. Um, I, I did find it the other day. Uh, so I, I wanted to fire that up, see what's still on that. And, and I think like just later on, um, I was just traveling all over the place and I was just wanting to take pictures and, you know, show my family of all the different places I was. Nice. And then it really got taken to the next level. I think in 2017, when I was in Australia, I had this really hectic period of work, um, traveling all the time. And then I had a couple of really, uh, back to back international trips. I was in like Mexico one week home for Thanksgiving, Australia for like a week and a half and New Zealand. And then home for two weeks for Christmas and then back to Australia, New Zealand. Wow. So it, it was just like, it was insane because that's a lot of flying from the East Coast to the U.S. as well. It is. Um, th- this small city I live in, Rochester, I think it's about 200,000 people. And you got to connect wherever you go, unless you're going to Atlanta, Detroit, you know, a couple of the major cities. Yeah. So, so when I was there, I had this itch and I was just like, you know, we're, we're going up this mountain in New Zealand. I'm like, uh. I've seen drone stuff like drones were like starting to become pretty big at that point. Yeah. And I was like, I bought a drone like right before Thanksgiving. I told myself I didn't want to bring it to Australia because I didn't really have that much time to like fly it and feel confident that I wasn't going to crash it into the ocean. So I got there and I'm like, oh, shit, I should have bought it. Huh. So I, I just find like the nearest store, went and bought another drone <laughs> and without <laughs> any just reckless abandon. Flew it over the ocean, and little did I know I was capturing this uh, world sailing championship event that I just like. I was like walking through. Um, I, I thought he was gonna say you crashed it. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't crashed take out anybody's sails. <laughs> yeah, I flew, fly right into a sail and just tip the boat over. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, this was just this one event that I just happened to stumble upon outside of Melbourne, Australia. I think it was like St Kilda. Mm. It was a beach or something. And so I just had this drone and I'm like, all right, it's like the, the typical, just going to send it meme that we see these days. Yeah. Just full send over the ocean, um, captured this footage, footage, published a video. I think it was like three minutes long. And that was like my first like thing of like, wow, this is like truly a different perspective. Like typically people would have to pay for helicopters or they're taking like these crappy photos out of like the airplane window. 
and I can go up to 400 feet and get this amazing, you know, viewpoint of the world that typically nobody had access to before. And these things have become so cheap. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Like the next step was like, okay, how do I couple this with ground footage? (laughs) And then the next trip to Australia about like in January. So the first one was in December and then January, I think I bought my first camera, which was a Sony a 5100. I didn't really do much research. So that kind of, it's like, all right, this is just something I'm looking for a focal length because I've mm-hmm. been watching Casey a little bit now. And yeah. Everybody knows who Casey is. And yeah, it was fairly affordable. So I was just like, screw it. This is going to be my camera. I'm going to start doing this kind of stuff on YouTube. And it just kind of like went from there where people were like, hey, like you should really start making more videos and take more photos. And hey, we want you to, you know, provide a print of this photo that you took i mean i've got a huge canvas in my house of one of the first things i shot in australia with the drone oh nice so that's that's kind of how it all got started so around 2017 2018 and then onward from there that is really cool that's a that's a nice uh kind of a, a way of getting into it i mean your your travel kind of led you to get something you know and, and document it in a way that i mean i mean I, I think a lot of artists are that way we just want to document the world you know, what we see. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm the oldest of four and I think it, it took until like recent years for my siblings to really get out, travel, see the world. Like I remember one of the first times my sister got in on an airplane a couple of years ago and it was this big (laughs) ordeal that she was pretty upset about flying. Oh, (laughs) you know, it's, it's one of those things. So by then, I, I mean, I've flown to many, many countries at this point around the world and seen a lot of different things. So for me, it was always like, I want to be able to kind of capture because nothing's ever like what you see in front of your eyes, but Mm -hmm. the best representation of what you see to share with your family, to see what you're up to, what you're doing. And then hopefully, you know, someday they have the desire to go see um, the beauty that's in this world and what it has to offer. Yeah. And you know, really with COVID the way it is, it's nice that everyone has a camera these days and you know we we can at least see something but when you find out that this guy you know put a drone up and uh or has a a camera that allows him to really be artistic with it and and you get those other shots that's that's what really hits home for me when you finally see an artist doing his work and you can look at their work and and you just you go I got to go there I got to go to that place you know and it just it gets exciting. Pretty, pretty fucking cool, I think. Hell yeah. So, nice. So, are any, do you have any siblings or uh, family members, I should say, that uh, are also artistic? I mean, kind of kind of leading you towards <clears throat> a creative life. I, I think my brother, um, he has definitely been taking a lot of photos with his phone. And he, funny enough, he's got a Pixel. I still nice. think like the Pixel is like one of the best cameras <laughs> that you can have on a smartphone. It is. And I mean, I, I've had iPhones and, and they're very good. But mm-hmm. for some reason, what Google was doing with software with one lens when they first came out with that phone, yes. it was just yeah. incredible. And I mean, Samsung's really good, but um, I've always had like this slight distaste for Samsung and their software. And mm-hmm. they, they've done some weird things, I, I think even with like the most recent phones. But I mean, yeah. So my brother... He starts to travel now for work. He's an electrical engineer and he's been traveling. Actually, he was down in your area probably. 
Hmm. Uh, he's got a project in, uh, I think it's Zanesville, Ohio. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was actually down there for a project for one of my clients for my day job in cybersecurity and my LLC because they wanted some drone work of hmm. their job site. So he's down there, um, you know, helping with a startup and they broke ground on this stuff. So he's always taking photos with his phone. Um, and he's always kind of had an artistic itch from drawing. And we grew up like skateboarding. So, of course, like, you know, you would figure out a way to customize your skateboard to make it yours. Mm-hmm. And so he was always drawing growing up. Um, I, <laughs> if I try to draw something like a bear or a dog or a cat, <laughs> it, it looks like a rabid animal. And you can barely <laughs> tell what it is. It, it's just not. <laughs> Me and you both, brother. <laughs> I mean, I can barely draw a straight line. Yeah. I, I think, you know, back in second grade. Um, one of my teachers called my mom in because they had concern. Um, and the concern was that I couldn't color within the lines. And quite frankly, um, coloring was just nothing, something that didn't interest me. So mm-hmm. I would try to get it done as fast as possible. I didn't care how it turned out. But they thought I had some fine motor skill, like movement skill <laughs> issue. Like I, I like it had an issue like controlling like how I was doing things. I mean, I've got like, Typical engineer's handwriting where it's chicken scratch and probably yeah. only myself and two others can read it or, you know, other engineers that can decipher it. But it, yeah, like, so drawing was never a huge thing for me. And I mean, I, I've got some stuff with my iPad and, you know, the Apple pencil that I'll mock stuff up, but definitely when it gets to the finer details, I have capabilities on digital, but I'd rather hire somebody that's way more talented than myself on uh, <laughs> yeah. making something that looks coherent. <laughs> That's funny. I uh, I always tell my my friends when they they goes, are there any other people in your family that's you know an artist and paints and draws? Like, well, my my brother draws flies. <laughs> 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 he doesn't listen to the show, so he won't beat me up later. But uh, <laughs> is your brother older than you or younger? He's, he's older and much much bigger. Makes me look <laughs> like a little twerp. Basically, he's six foot four. Uh, yeah, big guy too. He's 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 a good size. Guy. He's scary. He's a he's a Viking, <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh i gotta ask because because you talked about sony and um uh, you know sony's really in the news right now with uh all their this show's airing october 1st uh so we can kind of get that out of the bag a little bit we are recording this on september 20th and most people know that the ps5 is coming out yes yeah i mean oh. that's another one too it's it's, it's <laughs> Freaking crazy, really. I can't uh, and wait Nick, for you're, that. You're a to gamer honest. too, right? Yeah. Yep. So yep. I'm a PlayStation guy. Um, yeah. Sony. Yeah. I have a feeling where you're where you're going to go with this, but yeah, Sony is doing incredible stuff in the marketplace with cameras. I am not a Sony guy. Right. I've actually gotten rid of that camera. Had Canon and now Fujifilm, as you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, Sony's Fuji, doing Fuji some incredible gang. stuff. Yeah, Fuji Gang. As you you can't you can't deny. I mean, you really can't. There was a, I got to say this too. There was a, on Twitter. Uh, I don't know what personality posted it, uh, tweeted it rather, rather, uh, they had a, one of those polls where they say, you know, what's the biggest camera that came out this month and all that stuff. And I was looking at it going, okay, the S5. Yeah. I'm jonesing for the S5 being a Panasonic kind of guy. I love Nikon. Don't get me wrong. When it comes to stills, I'm Nikon all day long. But video and hybrid type stuff, I love Panasonic. So when the S5 came out, I was like, oh, geez, it's full frame. It's nice. It's big. It's perfect. You know, all these things. So beautiful. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
everybody, it was like overwhelming. I wish I could pull up the poll right now, but overwhelmingly it was the Sony A7S III, the new one. And, and yeah, that's a great camera. I mean, it's, it's going to be, when people finally get it in their hands, which, you know, I, I'm hearing a lot of people not getting it, you know, quickly enough and they pre-ordered it and I, I don't know the details. I don't know when it was supposed to be out, but um, I, I don't know. I'm still up in arms about it. I think it's going to be just like the A7 III for the most part with a couple of little things thrown in there. And, and, and Paul's giving me his looks like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's getting too geeky for me. <laughs> but <laughs> um, the reason I brought this up, <laughs> get to the fucking point. Uh, I, I noticed that the Fuji guys and the Panasonic guys were kind of left. We were like under 7% of the, the voting was for us and everything else was the, uh, the Canon, whatever it is. E- EOS R5 or whatever just Canon came out for plate. Canon. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really not interested at all in Canon. I, I, I think for a while they had a really good grip on it and now it's kind of, they're falling apart, really. Um, yeah, I'm still, yeah, I'm jonesing for a agree. GH6, but you know, I, I, that's kind of my taste too. But I, I'm always interested in the Fuji because I'd always heard that Fuji had a lot to do with Nikon sensors as well. And I almost went Fuji a long time ago. I was thinking, well, I could go GH whatever, or I could go with the, the Fuji cameras. Um, what I'm going to ask you, Nick, cause this something drove you to, to Fuji. What, what really pushed you over the edge for going that route? Lauren Hill. <laughs> um so it was a couple things and, and yeah so in between the fuji and this is kind of the research i did um i had a canon 80d so the typical vlogger mm-hmm. setup that you know everybody and their mother had after casey pushed it between mm-hmm. the 70d and the 80d so when i when i got that camera i actually had like a real estate um client that was supposed to do drone work and they're like hey it'd be nice if you could take photos and i'm like okay the sony's not going to cut it in reality it probably did but I, I panicked and went out and bought this camera for that shoot and then you know as mirrorless evolved and everybody was like looking at sony as the runaway kings and whatnot i was looking at okay well the eos r is coming out is this going to be a hit for next generation mm-hmm. features you know did they listen to what their users were asking for and that's a message I hear a lot from Fujifilm users that mm-hmm. Fujifilm has listened to the people that use their cameras and they right. will make constant updates, and push, um, you know, features to the cameras via firmware to improve the overall experience. And these are just things that, um, everybody listens to, uh, you know, from the development standpoint, there's a nice other podcast, um, that they constantly have, uh, the tech folks from Fujifilm mm-hmm. on to talk about, what they're hearing from the marketplace and discuss uh, the various things that are upcoming and different challenges with their cameras. So they listen to what their users want and they try to give them the majority, you know, there's, there's technical and cost bounds around these things as we know, but um, for the majority, it seemed like Fujifilm was uh, delivering on their promises where um, Canon, the EOS R, first generation mirrorless camera well not really the first one but the first full frame generation mm-hmm. they released they had like the m50 or something like that before. right so when they came out with this whole venture for full frame mirrorless um, it was kind of underwhelming and i was like okay i can start investing in this 
RF lens system and continue on? Or is there something else that's exciting out there? Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, it was either go Sony, potentially go micro four thirds and go with a GH5, mm -hmm. see what Panasonic's doing, or, you know, dive into a completely different route. Nikon, mm -hmm. it was a, potentially an option. And, mm -hmm. and when I looked at Fujifilm, like people had a lot of really good things to say about the X-T2, which was kind of their really solid 4K hybrid camera. Mm -hmm. Had a really good sensor size. The megapixels for photos were really good. Um, the 4K and the autofocus was really good. They had some issues, but it was mostly revolving around the older lenses that weren't designed for auto, continuous autofocus video. Mm -hmm. and, and it just seemed like an option where I'm like, okay, if I'm going to jump ship, do I want to go to Sony? The lenses are really expensive. They're really bulky when it comes to full frame. Right. Or, or can I find something that's kind of middle ground, not as expensive that still looks fantastic. And, and, and that's why I, I got to say, not to interrupt, too bad no, here, go, but go ahead. Uh, the other thing that I see with Sony, and people are going to argue with me all the time if they hear this and all that, but I really think the color profiles fall apart, uh, even in even in uh, the log format, because a lot of I hear a lot of these YouTubers who use Sony get irritated by the banding and and some other things that they run into when they they go to color grade. One hundred percent. So I don't, you know, it might be great with autofocus which is fantastic if that's what you want. But for me, that, that was the whole thing with Panasonic. I didn't really care about autofocus. I really didn't. And the, the whole autofocus thing, I came from Nikon. So it was like, I'm already used to having a broken leg, right? <laughs> so it's how bad can it be? And then when I got the GH or I got the G85 to test a little bit and think, yeah, okay, I'll try this for a little bit. And then once I got the GH5, I realized, oh, this is nice. All I got to do is push on the screen. It's a touch screen. I can focus wherever I put my finger. And yes, autofocus and continuous tracking is terrible on a Panasonic. But that doesn't mean you can't autofocus. And that was my whole take on that. And I, I really think you're kind of leaning towards that too, Nick, when you, when you start talking about what you do with your Panasonic, or uh, sorry, your Fuji. It's the, the shortcomings that everybody wants to pick on are so minimal compared to what the camera is capable of right? in every other way. So. Right. And the biggest thing that people will, will go after Fuji for is that they have APS-C prop yeah, sensors right. and then they have medium format and there's no, they've never had a full frame strategy. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I don't think it's needed. Um, I, yeah, I think, it's not. Yeah. So I, I just dove in, got an X-T3, which was... I still think one of the best hybrid, if you do photo and video mm -hmm. like that, that's a fantastic camera. My buddy just uh, upgraded one of his old Canon power shots and hopped into the Fujifilm system and he's loving it. Nice. Um, but yeah, so like between the X-T3 and the X-T4, which I have both now, they definitely listened to um, the people that were clamoring for a flip out screen. Like mm -hmm. if they wanted to do the vlogging style right. content to be able to see themselves. If they wanted IBIS, they put IBIS in the camera. They had another line of cameras, the X-H series which was mm -hmm. more towards video i mm -hmm. think when they initially came out and that was like their only camera with ibis other than the media format uh, gfx 100 they came out with which was like a ten thousand dollar camera yeah, so they put ibis yeah. in xt4 so they started doing all these things that people were asking for and to compete with the likes of canon and sony mm -hmm. um and then i think their sales actually i was looking at an article yesterday i think they doubled in sales for how many cameras they sold in one year um, in 2019 from the previous years. Oh, wow. 
So That's they fantastic. actually, yeah, they had significant growth, but I mean, they're probably still top three, top four mm-hmm. um, in the mirrorless game, which I mean, the majority of their cameras are mirrorless. They have a lot of different lines, a lot of different feature sets. Um, the other thing that I really liked about these cameras is the old school look of them. They have physical dials on them, so yeah. I don't have to wade through menus to figure out how to change the three main things, ISO, shutter speed, and aperture. There's dials for all of it. So if I give you this camera and you have no idea how to you know, wade through the Fujifilm menus, but you know how to use those three settings to create a photo or you know, expose video, like yeah. you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know exactly where they are. You don't have to try and figure out where do I tap on the screen to unlock this, to be able to change the shutter speed or change the aperture or the ISO. They're just there. And those clicky dials are very easy to use. So Plus it, you want it was to, just, you're wanting to take pictures, not become a computer expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So it, it's just, it, and this camera truly, like I, I think I was kind of, not not bored, but I would say uninspired with just like picking up the cannon and yeah. going out and trying to make something. And like this one, like you you just want to make something. Like the, yeah. the physical interaction with the device inspires you to utilize that tool to make something. Yeah. And that's so um, un- unfortunate with Canon too. It really is because it's almost like they're trying to protect their cinema line so much <clears throat> that they leave all the good stuff out of, you know, the the hybrids. Oh yeah, and they they could kill it. I mean, if they took a five D, and you know, instead of just forget about the EOS, EOS whatever the fuck they call it, R um, R five hotcake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if you if you were to take something like a five D and the stills prowess of a five D, and give it just a bit, just a taste of the cinema line, you would have a killer. And actually take some of the the user friendliness out of the out of the eighty eighty d, you would have a killer camera that would just blow everybody away. But I think they're protecting so much, and I just for me lenses was a lot of the reason why I went with uh, Panasonic on the Micro Four Thirds because I I have a couple um, vintage cameras, old film cameras that um, I really want to be able to use their lenses, and. All my Nikon glass, I want to be able to use it because I'm heavily invested in Nikon. From I, I started shooting in 2005 digitally, and I started shooting probably in 1979, 81, somewhere in range with with cameras. So my first Nikon was back in the early 80s. I mean, I just I grew up with Nikon, right? And it was just one of them things. So the Panasonic Micro Four Thirds just made sense because it's easy to. You can adapt any lens to it, um, and it looks great. You put a speed booster on it, you can get, you know, super thirty-five and all kind of image size images out of it. Plus, it's faster. Yeah, it's fantastic, yeah. fantastic. I mean, what? Well, I guess what I'm going to say is, with all this going on in the industry, all this new stuff we're seeing in September, 2020. Um, it, it is a gear acquisition syndrome problem for most of us. But oh, it totally same, is. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, the competition is so nice because it gives us so many options. Is it really that much better, though? It seems like like with cameras, it's like my last Galaxy. Of course, it's the cheapest one you can get. It mm-hmm. is so much worse picture-wise than what my my uh, got the Galaxy before it I had. I think it had like a B7. It, 
Does it get out of the way though? That's the thing. Does it no. get out of your way? No. no it's pic- it looks the pictures look really bad, but all my other ones up to this point look look incredible. Well, go go past the picture for a second. Do you, do you think um, they all work the same? You just click on it and it works. So I mean, it's not like it's <laughs> it, it just works. It's not there, like there was a, a, there was this meme I sent somebody the other day. It was like, oh, photography's easy. You just press the button and boom, you got a photo. And then mm. I mean, I got people that are getting cameras finally. And they're like, how do you make the, the shutter speed, ISO, and aperture all work together? I can't get my photo to look anything other than white. <laughs> right. But it's like that with these cameras. It's like the, the technology, once we went to digital, I mean, yes, it was, it, it advanced so quick and there was all these different features. But now, ha- haven't we reached kind of a, is it, there's some ease of use maybe and some some other features, but is a camera I go by today really that much better than one of similar similar uh, um, stature five years so, ago. Is it really that much? Is it really going to take better pictures? So I always say it depends. Um, yeah. It depends on the outcome you're searching for. If, if I'm looking to print a commercial photo on a big billboard, then the stuff coming out today in medium format is definitely incredible. I mean, billboards have existed forever. But when it comes to digital, trying to take a 12 megapixel image that's taken on my phone versus a 50 to 100 megapixel image taken on a medium format camera. A huge difference in like the clarity and detail. But the medium format camera from five years ago, it wasn't as, you couldn't do it? Uh, I mean, you, you could, but there's, it depends on, again, what's the outcome? What are you trying to actually capture? Are you capturing yeah. like this this detail that's, you know, you're trying to, to get these tiny little things that are within like the interior of a car? And you want to show that off in this incredible detail and print it on this massive thing. Or, you know, back in the day when they had the medium format film, mm-hmm. um, I, I I was never a film guy. My dad and uncle were, but, you know, I mostly did digital. But, you mm-hmm. know, back in the day, they did medium format film, um, you know, to develop these and make big prints of them. Yeah. Um, it was the only way. Honestly, when, when I was shot artwork, I took it to a place in Columbus, Ohio that uh, they're gone now. but Every time I do a painting, I would take it to them and they would uh, set it up, put a, a color scale next to it and do some other, a grayscale next to it as well and shoot it on medium format um, Hasselblad cameras to give me a uh, really nice transparency, which was a four by five. Think of a four by five slide. Mm-hmm. And I still have those. And anybody that can read them, you, you can get great images, reprints off of that. Um, I think when when film to to kind of go with what Paul's saying here, I think in the last decade, digital has come so far with just being able to deal with noise, um, emulate film better, uh, and and really for the professional, the the gear gets out of the way. The problems are being solved so that we can be more creative with the gear we have. A camera is not going to make somebody a better photographer. Doesn't matter what brand you buy. Um. Yeah. It, yeah. So. It, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So I had this conversation exactly with my my friend the other day because mm-hmm. he's like he does some woodworking. He's like, hey, I want a camera like yours with your know, video capabilities. I can do photo. Oh, I want to be able to mount a microphone to the top to you know, be able to capture some audio when I'm doing woodworking. He's like, what do I buy? And he's like, I want a camera like yours. I'm like, first of all, you do not want a camera like mine because mine will cost you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 1700 for the body plus whatever for the lens and you know his budget was like two to 
400 bucks. Yeah. So he was like looking at Nikons and looking at Canon, all these different brands. And I think, you know, for those people that are just interested in being able to capture something, those people. <laughs> no, it's 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 all with the end goal in mind, right? So, like, yeah, yeah. he he just wants to capture some stuff and be able to share stuff that's better than his cell phone, taking you know various pictures of the details that goes into the woodwork and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he he was looking at something as like, what can I get that's pretty good quality that has, um, and, you know, I was explaining to him the used market. Because yeah. it, I usually direct people to go Canon, even though I'm a Fujifilm guy. I, right. I was Canon previously, but if you look at the used market for lenses and availability for various parts and components, mm-hmm. it, like I think Canon pretty much has the market unlocked for everything that's used. Oh yeah, and you um, can you can get the the adapters for your lens. Like when you do finally get into a, a system you love, mm-hmm. you can always get an adapter for the lenses you got. So yeah. Yeah, so so when I was like, hey, you know, once you get started with this one lens and you're looking to buy your next one, you you probably should just go to the used market and not spend all the money in the world to buy a brand new lens. Um, and you know, I just think that with all all that's happened over the last decade, I think just pushing video into these cameras. You know, back when the five D Mark II first came out and they had video capabilities. Mm-hmm. Those have really been the things that are starting to set cameras apart as they evolve um, within these different brands and the different video capabilities to be able to be more than just a photo taking uh, camera. Absolutely. So I think those are like the big features that everybody's competing with now to see how much can they squeeze out of this tiny little body uh, of a camera before it starts to cook an egg. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Which we're seeing those problems now, of course. Yeah. I, um, a lot of people get at me and they're like, well, you're a painter. You're a, you're a, you know, you, you do traditional art. What does, what does the camera matter to you? And it's, it, it always comes down to dynamic range for me. Mm-hmm. If I'm out there looking for the right colors, that's another reason why I love Panasonic. Even straight out of the camera, I can get, uh, the natural picture, picture profiles. I can get fairly close to what I feel like I see, uh, dialing in a lot of different things and, and all that. And same thing, honestly, with Nikon, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my D800E. It's an old camera. It's, I want to say eight to 10 years old. Um, you know, I, I get into gear because I need something that can help me tell the story, can help me be my own marketer for my business and that sort of thing. And, and that's really what it is. And I, I really, I know people listening to the show are like, ah, oh, so much gear, so much, you know, my head, head's about to explode. But it's uh, it's important for people to know you you don't need a lot. You can use your phone, you can use whatever, and you kind of grow into whatever. But I guess the best way to describe it is once you get the itch and you start looking at things, don't just throw your money at what everybody else is buying. Go with what solves the problem for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you got a lot of if if you do have some photography gear and you've got some good lenses, lenses are really kind of the thing that doesn't change. I mean, you can, lenses tend to hold their value. Bodies, they fall apart, you know, and the GH5 is holding on pretty good for a three-year-old camera, but we're all jonesing for a GH6 who are or Panasonic shooters. We want something a little bit more with the times. And I'm really hoping the S5 is not the only thing that they give us. I'm really worried about that. I'm thinking they're they're dropping micro four-thirds and they just haven't told anybody yet. but. uh it's it's kind of a kind of a thing there, but 
Paul, I got to ask you too in this. Ask me. How, how does this work in your mind as, as a musician? How does gear translate to what you need next? I mean, what, what drives you to get a new bass or well, I just microphone? bought another amp last night. So I guess well, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even, didn't even plan that. <laughs> just, it's mostly necessity. I'm still chasing a certain tone. I don't know if you guys do that with cameras. Like you're just, you're, you're chasing a certain look that you can't get. It seems like with all the software mm -hmm. and all the upgrades you can do, I, it doesn't seem to me like that's such a problem. But um, for me, I bought a, I saw a friend was selling a like new PV amp. I'm not a big PV guy, but it was small and it, it coming up, it, it had like this bag with it and some different things. And I, since I switched to this uh, pedal board setup, I got now, I'm set up now where I can get all my gear in my car and I can go anywhere and get my sound just with that, this pedal board and use somebody else's amp or whatever. But I want to have six. No, no, no. It's all analog pedals and digital okay. pedals. Yeah. So nice. I'm old, I'm old school, but you're and, old. Yeah. You don't need to say school. And I got a little, <laughs> I got a G, I got a GK amp and a, um, a rack rack system with tuners and stuff, but I got all that stuff except for the amp in this pedal board. So I got, depending on the size of the gig, uh, the open bands, when we go on, I can kind of mix and match. I got like, I got seven different cabinets, different configurations, 15s, 210s, 410s, whatever. Um, but I didn't have a way to, I wasn't going to take that amp out of the rack every time. And it just really wasn't all that portable. But now I got this amp. I can, it's got a shoulder strap. It's small. and I can bring that with me. And then if I, I can, it's a, got a built in direct out. I can just use it. If I can't use the opening bands base rig or the, yeah. or the headlining bands base rig or whatever. Yeah. So now I just got that much more flexibility. Um, that build in, build in direct outs really nice. Yeah. I think the SWR has it too. It does. So It does. You don't like that one? Well, I'm not going to carry that. <laughs> I'm not going to carry a little practice amp around with me. So. <laughs> I'm a, Dick. Plus, it gets it gets real hot. It gets real hot. It does get hot. Yeah, it's not supposed to get that hot. There's a, but yeah, you fucked fun, me. Fun fact: I, I I got a little bit of a musician background myself, and I, I recently moved into a house, so I'm finally getting my amps back. Oh yeah, because I, I could not crank them in my apartment, so I didn't really play <laughs> my guitar much for the last four years. And I've got like four guitars and three amps and whole pedal nice. board that just hasn't gotten enough attention. And it's another one of those things where it's like really expensive hobby, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm uh, getting slammed by all sides with gas gear acquisition oh, syndrome yeah. <laughs> and it's just, uh, it's brutal. Oh, but I, I mean, I think you, you, you kind of gave a really good example of how just like the gear gets out of the way and just mm -hmm. allows you to do your thing. And you kind of figure out what's that feature or what, you know, for a lot of people that, you know, carry the cannon torch, their color science and color science is always very subjective mm -hmm. on how things look. You, you touched down with Sony. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Fuji films, film simulations that are built into the camera. Oh, and yeah. that was huge for me yeah. when I, uh, when I was traveling a lot, I'm a, a Mac book pro user mm -hmm. when it comes to editing. So I have typically two laptops that I, if I go between my home or my office, I'm carrying with me. Because my day job is uh, performed on Windows. So I have a separate laptop for that. So if I'm traveling, I really don't want to take two 15-inch laptops with me. 
it's just a complete pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. So I started figuring out ways that I could cut down my editing workflow, whether it's editing on an iPad, if I really want to go crazy, or can I make it look good out of camera and have some ability to tweak it in camera? And Fujifilm has this nice uh, raw editor within that, that I can take a film simulation for mimicking some of their film stocks of the past and slap that on. And then I have, you know, the typical highlights, shadows, clarity, tone curve. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a couple base settings in these cameras that are very nice to be able to get you a consistent look out of the camera where I just can transfer it to my phone, post it wherever I want to, or just have it for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a huge feature that was just like, okay, now I don't have to like bring my laptop to bust out, capture one. Um, and then guess what? If I'm editing on my iPad, it's got to mm -hmm. be Lightroom. And so I, I'm on all these different platforms. So if I can get the image, like you said, as close to how I want it in camera and I don't have to touch it, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Dynamic range, you know, as that's advanced, yeah. played a huge part in that. You just reminded me, I didn't realize you were, uh, I, I, I did know this. But I had totally forgotten you're a Capture One user. I love that. I am. Ah, I just upgraded to 20, finally. Fuji for, forced me that direction because Lightroom was doing some weird shit with my RAWs. And, and the sharpness um, was, for lack of a better term, putting these worms all over my photos. And Ooh. this was like a well-documented issue with like Lightroom and Photoshop that... Uh, Fuji RAWs were not fully compatible with Lightroom. And it was doing some weird stuff to the images if you put any sharpening on them. Didn't so then I started looking at alternatives. And then, you know, there's another guy, um, the art of photography. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Ted, he's a big Capture One proponent. Yeah. So that's why I started looking at it when Ted Forbes was talking about it. And I was like, okay, this is kind of really cool. I really wish there was an iPad app for it. Yeah, it's so good. I, I started using it for tethering. I, I hate Lightroom. I 100%. mean, people, people look at me and they're like, oh, but Lightroom's life. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, no, but no. I feel like the same people <laughs> will just like live in their preset library and they just slap a preset on and they're like, oh, I'm done. That, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of folks like that. And Paul's, Paul's giving me a glazed over look like, <laughs> what is this? What are, you, what are you discussing? Hey, I'm sure there's somebody out there that hearing all that. Oh, yeah. The DR572. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the same. It's, it's yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of tongue in cheek. It's the same thing as if you have like a, uh, you know, a tube screamer and you know a fuzz and you <laughs> right. know it just. Now you're talking my language. I actually got my first tube screamer uh, uh, a while back, and uh, so that doesn't even sound. Are we allowed to say tube screamer on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, TS808, TS9, yeah, so, Ibanez tube screamers. So are you? Uh, Billy Gould from Faith No More, one of my favorite bass players. He he used he used a, a tube screamer for distortion, and I always wondered how it sound on bass. And I got one, man, and it it sounds so good. But where you can't blend the real tone into it, it just it loses a lot of bottom end. That's why uh -huh. I use Billy Sheehan pedal to get my distortion because I yeah. can blend a lot of bass in. It's the best sound of bass distortion ever made. I got yeah. two of them; they're awesome. But hmm. damn, that tube screamer sounds good with the bass through it. If you had two amps. Just have one run and tube yeah. screamer and another one run a clean sound. I, I can I can get my tone doing that if I had to, but I can do that with one pedal. So now I got I winery, what? winery dog stuck in my head because you mentioned Billy Sheehan. Like, they, they need to make a new album. They do. What'd you have, Nick? I, I was gonna say, is there any way to put that in like the uh FX loop on one of your pedal boards? Get dual well, yeah. signal coming out. Yeah. Yeah, because I got the I got a couple pedals that's got a dry, a dry return and send. 
I could try that. Probably sound pretty good. There, there was this one old pedal. I know we're going to deviate from the photography and videography. Oh, that's fine. That's, two that's of my favorite point. bands. Yeah. Yeah. I just had to refill my glass too. So oh, <laughs> nice. continue that on. I'm still nursing um, mine. He's, he's <sighs> still, he's got like, he got, I got to say this before you hold your thought. No, continue. I, I only gave him a quarter of a bottle of, I mean, he, he might've got four ounces. Don't start your shit. And, and he's like, is it better to you now? Cause I got to know the temperature is raised. We got it on ice. Cause I want it to be close to 40 degrees. Is it better to you now that it's sat for 40 minutes or so? No. No. It needs to be cold. But it's still, but I still don't like hate it. I could drink that if I had to. If you had I didn't, to. Yeah, I didn't bring a water. In, in this case, he has to because he's like, I don't want to. I didn't well, bring. Well, actually, you don't care if you offend me. You're kind yeah. of a dick. That's right. I didn't, I didn't bring a water with me today. And uh, that's what I'm using to oh, keep my palate wet. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah. we got to give him talking more so he gets parched and he has, yeah. he has yeah. to chug it down. That's it's, right. It's working fine. So, you know, I really, I don't hate it. It's really high up on the don't. I think I like it better than Doom Pedal, maybe. Oh, really? Yeah. Just a Good. Little bit. That's, that's a new one. You know, I, I hammered on the guys at 50 West. I, I, we can't find any of their uh, stouts here, right? Uh -huh. And having Nick on the show, I knew I had to have a stout because we've been talking about having stouts and dark beer and just good shit, right? And I was like, I got, I got to get one. I tried really hard this week. Because they're putting in the restaurant downtown Chillicothe. And I was like, ah, maybe they'll bring one down. I could just stop by and get it. Nah, that, that wasn't going to happen. But, uh, yeah. Now you're making me feel guilty that I didn't bring a stout to this. <laughs> no, we, we, can, we can do other things. Because we talked about that, uh, that uh, creative roundtable. I still really want to do that. I do. I, th I think I've actually got a uh, 2019 Bourbon County Stout in my mini fridge. But... You could crack, crack it. That? We are we're close <laughs> to last call, but uh you could crack it if you want. <laughs> I will I will live vicariously through you. <laughs> Double fist, the basil Hayden's and a Bourbon oh, County Stout. Yeah. Oh boy. I might well, have to sleep on the sofa in the office for a little bit. Liquor before beer, you're all clear. That's right. You know, so you're good to go. <laughs> oh shoot. This is so fun. You had to mention. Oh, I said, hold your thought too. What, what, what else did you have there? I was going to say, uh, two of my favorite bands, uh, Thrice and Circa Survive. They, their bassists both use this, uh, I guess as an older pedal, the uh, Proco Rat. They use that for their bass tone. And it's pretty gnarly. It's actually one of my favorite sounding, uh, bass tones that I, I've heard from many different bands that put distortion on their bass. Yeah. I don't know if that's a pedal you have access to. Or look it up on YouTube I'll and check, check it out. out for sure. Yeah, it, it's pretty like fat thrice. sounding. I like thrice. So. Oh yeah, that's that's my favorite band of all oh, time. Oh, so cool. there. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> what happened to In Flames? <laughs> no, I mean I love In Flames. They're they're, they're still the, the the on my Twitch channel. They I'm still have the In Flames points, and yeah, I mean love In Flames. I I was supposed to see them live this summer. Me and too. Oh, yeah. I had tickets to that. Yeah, yeah exactly. The Megadeth. Yeah, Lamb. Yep. Yeah, that. Uh, there's a lot of disappointment. Rage Against the Machine. I was supposed to see. Um, you know, In Flames. I was getting really pumped for that. My buddy and I got pit tickets. Yeah, and I, I'm 30. He's uh, a couple years older than me, so we were gonna go get our asses kicked in the pit. <laughs> but I was looking forward to that show. So so tough for musicians right now doing live if they're if they're making their living on on ticket sales. Really, it's oh uh, yeah, because a lot of them are. You know, the 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 suits have really taken over with the the income that they make on music, and don't really want to go there too much. But uh, it's 
you know, I, I, I do feel for those artists. You know, I really do. It, it's a, and the crews and the concession guys. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's hard on everybody, really. I, I have to mention, though, because I, I got a little giggle, and I probably shouldn't bring this up. I'm going to do it anyway because I'm, I'm like that. So you're a cybersecurity guy, and you use a Mac primarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of your work has to be on PC. Can, can I do the PC Mac thing real oh, quick Jesus. and just say? Here we go, snobs. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I personally use everything. Um, right, right. I, I was asking for a MacBook Pro from my employer, and the cost to deploy a MacBook Pro to the field was apparently more significant than the Windows-based machine they gave yeah, me. Yeah, And I've had more issues with my Windows-based machine. Funny, Fun fact, back in the day, I used to be a fire dog technician at circuit city oh, rest in peace nice and uh so I, I i was one of the the green shirts that people yelled at when they screwed <laughs> right. up their computer or grandma couldn't figure out how to go to the internet and so that's where the calluses came from yeah so <laughs> i it, it, i started as a sales associate and i i was selling cameras car audio and computers but primarily computers and, and i would sell somebody this laptop that on paper had amazing specs mm-hmm and then they'd be back in there like a month later with some issue that they screwed something up oh, or no. like something was just not working. Like we had to replace a component or swap out the motherboard, which was a whole fiasco because we couldn't <laughs> do it. We had to send it in. And, and then there was like the warranties and blah, blah, blah. So you have this person coming in there. Of course, they they just spent a bunch of money on a machine. It's not working right. We got to tell them we got to send it out. It might be two weeks. Yeah. Apple, when I first got my first one, in 2008 when i went off to college like i had that computer for years the same machine and i never had a problem with it and then i got another mac and eventually that one had a problem but it was never a bitch fest between myself and apple as Mm -hmm. to taking care of me and ever since like i've just always felt very strongly about the package that they present yeah. Um, you know, I, I use Linux, I use Mac, I use Windows, I use all right. these different things. I have to. Um, but yeah, I just never had a problem with the piece of hardware itself. It's a you know, I've had my gripes about what they're doing with Mac OS and trying to iPadify it and right. all those different things, but but the the hardware, uh you can say it's really expensive for the performance you get versus a Windows laptop. I'm sure Windows laptops have come a long way, but I've always had that burning hole in me, I guess, and scars from <laughs> my right. customer support days yeah. of like, this person spent all this money on a laptop, it's busted, and there's, you know, you can deal with the warranty yourself, and they might help you, or it might not, and... Yeah, that's terrible. I, I had my first, bad. I had my first run-in with uh, an iOS update not working until I plugged into my Mac. That really, that... that. But uh, Michael, it just works. Yeah, I know. It just, it burned me up so bad. I was like, I was so mad. I actually, I got to give credit where credit's due. I, I put it on, I, I tweeted it. I was so fucking mad about it. I tweeted it. Oh, I saw and, this one too. Uh, they actually responded, uh, Apple support. And they said, DM us with your thing. And I was sending pictures to them. Mm, showing slid them. into their DMs, did you? Showed them yeah, we pics. did. We did it behind the scenes there. It was, uh, <laughs> it was nice. I tell you, I, I, uh, I gave them all the information. I was like, Hey, this, this should just work. You know, you guys are pissing me off. I, and I actually remember I in the DM I I said something to the effect of you know when when Jobs was still there you guys wouldn't be doing this and oh shit yeah and they they go well we understand your your frustration and I was like yeah you know I came from a PC world I loved PC and I went to, went to Mac in two thousand and four um, and 
I haven't looked back because it's never given me a problem. I said, now it just seems like you guys are all focused on your, um, your subscriptions and, you know, ways that you can make money without selling hardware. I said, can we get, can we please get back to hardware and software making it work well, please? Because some of us really need it to work, you know? <laughs> and the guy was like, I'm really sorry. And he goes, I tell you what, uh, if based on what you're telling us, you know, it's not a start stop thing, not a refresh thing. It's a, you know, you've, you got an over the air problem. Um, we still really don't have an answer. I think it's because I have so many iOS devices running in the house uh, that it just wasn't seeing it as as a viable option. So I came in and plugged it in, opened up my Finder, clicked on it. I was like, yeah, go ahead and download this, do this, do that. And it did it. It took a little while. It took a little longer, I thought. But, you know, I've got a developer um, account. And I almost went with the beta back in June. and. I haven't been doing that for a while because I typically use my phone for just everyday stuff. I just need it to work. I don't want to beta anything. And uh, it it was really frustrating me. I spent the whole night last night um, after a cookout. I, I could go on for days on this. This has been the most difficult podcast to prepare for. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everything. Distractions are just crazy. But I, I like the iOS 14 update. I really do. And this goes like Paul, you're falling asleep again. This uh, this goes along I, I, with the. I like my I like my iPhone update <laughs> to, right, tubes. It, it's tube screamer. Not, I like it, my tube screamer. Yeah. <laughs> Please talk about tube screamers again and fuzz pedals. It, it's <laughs> how much Flangers, <laughs> delays. Oh fuck! It's just one of the things where I did. I just I I I don't know, man. I'm just really I'm I'm frustrated with it. You know. I'm frustrated with it too, and I wasn't even there, so it's pissed me off. <laughs> I'm going like, like, to like, Michael, get, get on with it with it, iOS 14. I yeah, know, it's just it's not as uh, exciting. It's as one I more number than iOS 13, and it really upset me because I liked how the I liked <laughs> well, how no, the three. No, looked. No, no, we <laughs> My went favorite number is 13. 13.7 to 14 is what we went to. Oh, oh fuck! Um, I can it, see why you're upset. Well, it's not a it's not a, <laughs> it's not a huge thing. Yeah, she said. Yeah, it's it's, but it this all correlates with the arts because I I have a reason for this. Everybody listening, I'm sure, feels the same frustrations with their their software, whatever it is. But you know, as creatives, I think we just really need to understand the gear is is a tool. You know, when you when your wrench isn't working right, you go get a different wrench. True. If it's the wrong size obviously get the different size. But if it's, you know, something you don't like about the wrench, go get a different fucking wrench. I don't know. There's a sexual innuendo there. I there is. see it after Paul there just is. said, <laughs> see Paul's gears turning through the... Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying not to. I'm trying to... Like, I've reached my quota. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I think, and that's where I really look at our, our tech as creatives. I look at our tech as tools and solving problems. If it doesn't solve a problem, get something else. You know, find out what works for you and don't let somebody tell you that, you know, you, that Canon's better than this and this is better than that. Cause it's, it's all subjective. Really? Mm, is it? It is. I've heard you, I've heard you say some things. Well, Canon's not like, Jackson. Ah, there we it, go. it's not like Jackson Pollock. Pollock there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to, to each their own, I'm, I'm just going to say it like this. Sony is not the nickelback of photography. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I've, wow, been, hey, I've yeah. been drinking a little. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for coming. All right. That's what she said. Exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, it's getting getting bad. Are you still there, Nick? <laughs> I am. I'm taking he's a ran, sip. He's ran. He's I'm ran taking away. another like, sip. What the hell? What did I get myself into? Need to reload is, my Basil Hayden's again. A, right. This is not a podcast. Now we. I've we, enjoyed. Uh, the, I've enjoyed the jargon. Yeah, we. Can, I've learned some stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, we're we're not bringing out the DMT and moving to Austin or anything, but you know, it's good. Jake the Snake. He did the DDT, didn't he? That was the DDT. Uh, yeah. Actually, I know somebody that uh, did some graphic work for Jake the Snake. He was like, one of my really? partners for my previous company. Yeah, he's uh, actually we played volleyball with his niece. So, Aaron, if you're out there listening to this, if you see this, that thinking cool. about you with that, hell yeah. yeah, yeah. One of our friends just uh, yeah, she she uh, played volleyball with us, had a kid recently, and then, of course COVID happened, so we haven't seen much of her. But yeah, fun her, fact, uh, brother knows Joe knows Jake the Snake. That is cool. Fun fact, I was uh, I was just a little one and uh, went to Columbus and I got to see Jake the Snake up close and personal. Fantastic. Cool. I was amazed by that wrestler. I really was. I took a piss next to uh, David Carradine. Did you really? The urinal at the comic, at Comic-Con. Yep. David Carradine. I, I looked over and I said, if you can snatch the pebble from my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. I wish I had. I thought of it afterwards. That would have been hilarious. Uh, that's that's good. I never knew that story. Yep. How did I not know that? I don't know. Huh. Right, uh, before, right before Kill Bill come out. So. Yeah. Why is why why is Caradine on my tongue now? I'm thinking there's another there's another one, right? Yeah. There's there's three of them. There's David, uh, um, the one that was in uh, Dexter. Oh yeah. And Deadwood. Uh, yeah. Robert, or no, Robert's the youngest. There's David and Robert, and who's that other one? The one, the other one. Yeah, the one. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, he's been a bunch of stuff. <laughs> nice. So, Nick, is there anything that you want our listeners to know about you that we really got to get out? We didn't cover on this show. Um. Well, I'm starting to ramp up some of my creative operations, I guess, in my studio. I think, you know, with the whole COVID happening, mm-hmm. I used to have friends coming in here all the time and working on stuff. And, and that and has plug, kind of plug your business too. Cause I, yeah, we so I, that. I've got a side business called Midnight Slate Labs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a, uh, <laughs> a play off my old gaming handle, which was <laughs> right. based off a song by a band called Thursday. So I had this handle, Jet Black New Year that I shortened to jet black and everybody kinds of kind of screws it up and says jet bike, jet bulk. Cause I abbreviate it with BLK. <laughs> right. So it's, it, nobody knows how to say it when I'm, when I'm playing games and whatnot. Um, so that's where that came from. But, um, yeah, it's a kind of a playoff that cause when I was going to register the company, my girlfriend was like, yeah, you can't really just like register jet black LLC. So I, I came mm. up with something I'm like, but I went to thesaurus.com, looked up, something for jet and looked up something for black and midnight slate. It is. And that's how the company name came to be. And I did not know. Yeah. So we've got some stuff going on in here from photo video. I'm going to be starting one or two podcasts. One that's uh, very close to what you do, where Mm -hmm. I have some creative um, personas come on, talk about their work. Um, Some of it will be focused on the Rochester community Mm because we've got a lot going on here when it comes to, um, food, artists, music. Uh, there's huge scene of creative arts here. So there's a bunch of different types of people I want to get on to talk about what they do. That'll be fun. Yeah. So 
there, there's a couple different things ramping up in, in here in this space and people come in to shoot videos or, you know, shoot some of their own product photos. I've got a couple of friends working on a couple of products, which can't really talk about too much on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the, the day job stuff is all the cybersecurity related business and, you know, the fun stuff um, after hours happens in here, which is pretty neat. But yeah, that's uh, kind of been uh, the side fun other than moving. So you got a lot going on all over the place from <laughs> buying a house to unpacking and yeah. you're trying to, you know, make a little money on the side business. But yeah, it, there's some new prints I've been working on. I've had several people actually reach out about prints and images, which is kind of cool. Because I, cool. I had, yeah, I had some like drone canvas stuff, but it's always like, I, I was listening to one of your episodes the other day and it's always like that weird conundrum of how do you price your work? Right. And I think we were talking about this the other day too. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've got this one friend that I'm sending some prints to in Denver. And, you know, I was like, just give me 20 bucks to cover the materials and shipping. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm right. going to pay you what it's worth. And, <laughs> you know, if it's 100 to 120 or 150, whatever it looks like, you know, I'm not, I'm not just giving you 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's so, super that's cool. so hard. That is cool. It's tough, right? So, like, you know, when you're doing paintings and trying to figure out what to sell these for and what your time's worth and materials and all that. And, of course, you do a lot of it because you love it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be fair and you got to be fair in pricing, too. So, you know. Right. Right. And I think it's, like, tougher these days with, like, things like Fiverr. And, like, I know I was just having this conversation with my buddy yesterday. Like, his his lady's trying to start this new business. And for some reason, they picked Wix. To build the website. Oof. And Wix is kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, and she's paying some guy through Fiverr. I think it's like 60 bucks to do this website. And I'm like, oh God. Like you're, you're going to get a steaming pile of crap. Yeah. For that, that yeah. like, you know, let's, let's talk and maybe try to see if we can get you out of this and get you something proper. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it's, it's tough with some of those services like that, that you can get something quick, but yeah. You know, it's like that triangle. You can have two out of the three. It is. Um, I think it's like quick and cheap and uh, I forget the third one of high quality. Right. right. So you got to pick like kind of two of those yeah. to yeah. get your end product. But yeah, yeah that's, so I, that's a whole nother. I mean, we could really do another podcast on that. Honestly, that's just right? crazy. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest thing with the side business is trying to find that right balance between what does my time look like? Um you know, I've dabbled around with having people rent the studio space to do their own podcasts since mm-hmm. I have this set up and mm-hmm. um, different stuff like that. So I'm trying to figure out the right balance of my own use of my space and other people's use of it. That's what kind cool. of different projects can we dabble in? And that's kind of been my whole MO is that if I want to kind of go explore something, I will acquire the gear and then figure out how to use it and try to make the best thing I can with it. That's cool. That's, that's cool. kind of what the LLC is around, just being a creative playground. Nice. Some cool stuff. I think, I think you and I are on the same, same level on a lot of ways. Really, really cool. I, we are going to have to do this more. We're going to have, I'm going to have to get you involved in that creative roundtable so we can just bounce ideas and let the synergy build. I think no, that's, for a, sure. that's a kind of a cool thing. Yeah, I've got a friend I punish with beers too. So, uh, you know, and we have that going for us <laughs> yeah. in common. Yeah. Paul, are you still with us? Or are you uh, drooling on yourself uh, at this uh, point? He's I'm drooling. Here. I'm here. <laughs> There's always a little bit of drool. He crapped. He, uh, I, I was going to say, <laughs> he cracked open another beer. No, not no, really. He didn't, he didn't do another beer. 
Uh, we actually have reached the point of the show I call Last Call. Um, it is where I ask rapid-fire questions and give all of you time, all of you listening time to finish that drink. And every time I go through that whole spiel of what it is I'm doing, I've already drank enough that I probably ought to quit as well. But for Nick, I got four good questions. Actually, four and a half, maybe five. It's actually five, because one of my questions is two. But uh, I'll start with this. That's against the rules. It is against the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Michael makes his own rules. It's Michael's show. He can do whatever. Uh, you know, it, 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 you know, I'm going to move on from that. Right. Who is your favorite cartoon character, Nick? Ooh. Um, this one's a tough one. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> this one's a tough one because I, I liked a lot of the Looney Tunes growing up and the oh, Saturday yeah. morning cartoons. Yeah. Um, I think I really like Sonic the Hedgehog. Because mm. I had the video games growing up. He was on TV. Um, yeah. He's kind of a little crazy. I'm a little crazy. High energy. Yeah. Yeah, I can so, do that. Yeah, I, I, that was like one of my favorite video games in Sega Genesis. Oh, yeah. Spent oh, yeah. so much time playing that game and, yeah. and of course the cartoon, so. Sega. Yeah, <laughs> Sega. Uh, being a cybersecurity, being in the cybersecurity trade, what might be the best password you've ever heard of? Oh, this ought to be good. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, there, there's always like the, the default having the password be password. Um, <laughs> or like, you know, their social security number. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, which that, that is just like a double whammy of stupid yeah, or is. password one or password one, two, three or one, two, three, yeah. four, five. Um, my dog's name is. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of people will use their dog's name and then just capitalize the first letter and that's the <laughs> password. Mm. Um, I've had people use their bank pins, um, oh as passwords. God. Really? So yeah. I mean. Like Jesus it, yeah. Christ, I should be a hacker. <laughs> yeah, I hope my mom's not listening to this because like, she 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 was the one who did that. Oh and wow, we had, we, had, we had a strong talking. Oh good, about good. That. Yeah, Nick's um, mom, please 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 guard your safety that way. Yeah, With better yeah. better password. Come on, Barb. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had people that yeah, the the best passwords are if you come up with a phrase and then you abbreviate that phrase and throw in some random characters in there. Like, um, I've had somebody that used, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. If you abbreviate that and then throw in maybe a one or an exclamation point for the I, um, those are very good passwords. Yeah. You take a phrase and you abbreviate it. I had a friend whose password was my girlfriend is a bitch. (laughs) That that is also, I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. Or or like a money sign on the end there. (laughs) Yeah. I always, I always just, everybody pay attention. I always use a money sign. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like, i've actually like seen somebody so like it, you've probably heard like the little juvenile joke of like hey you want to join the pen 15 club <laughs> yeah it, if, for those listeners right. that have no idea what the hell i'm talking about if, if you write pen 15 on your arm it's it looks like penis yeah and i've had people that actually have had that as a password um I mean, the the stuff that gets published mm. with these data breaches online and you open them up and you can see what some of these people are using for passwords, <laughs> it's incredible how insecure people are <laughs> or how creative they are with oh, some yeah, of the shit they yeah. come up with. That's cool. All right. Number three, what is your favorite movie and do you have a favorite movie quote? Um, I like The Departed a Ooh, lot. That's a good one. It is good. 
Yeah, I like The Departed a lot. Um, <sighs> the, when it comes to pop culture, I kind of suck. Like, I, I don't remember people's <laughs> names. I don't remember specific characters from movies. Like, I, if you like, I've seen Game of Thrones probably five, six different times. Like wa- watching it through before the new season comes out, uh-huh. and I couldn't tell you some of the characters' names. Like, <laughs> I just it's not something that just sticks in my memory. I have so much other bullshit. You, you drink there. and you don't know things. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. I do like that quote. So that 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 now that you've just reminded me, um, that that probably is my favorite quote. I have a shirt that it has is. that on there. And when I don't feel like getting into the nitty gritty details of like when I tell somebody what I do for work. It, I just simplify it and it's, I drink and I know things. That's, that's <laughs> nice, what I do for work nice. when it comes to cybersecurity or industrial automation and all these things that, you know, I can get into the details or I can simplify it for you. And then you're yeah. like, Oh, okay. Peter, actually, Peter Dinklage is kind of one of my, I want him on the show one day. Someday I want to get, so if anybody Ooh. along with Crowbot, we talk that, about, Crowbot that's like your time. rock. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, yeah. I just, I, <sighs> Like Matt Diavello wanting The Rock to get on his podcast. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think uh, Peter Dinklage is so fucking cool. He's he's such a such a great actor and such a interesting person. I mean, you're sharing these delicious beverages with Paul. You would think he would reciprocate, <laughs> just make it happen. Find Peter Dinklage with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, one yeah. of these times, just show up, and you you'll never forget the look on Mike's face. <laughs> I, you know, that's a good idea. I'll I wouldn't know what calls. to do. <laughs> All right, number four. What is the one thing you have to do before you die? Mm, man, you are asking the tough ones. That is a um, tough one. That is an extremely tough one. Um, so I, I've always had this travel goal. I, I don't know if this is like the one thing, but I've always had this travel goal to get to every continent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm missing Asia and Antarctica at this point. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something I want to do. Um, is that the one thing before I die? I don't know. But <laughs> that's definitely something that I was just like always... I would like to get into 50 plus countries, you know? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I'd like to be on every single continent, but yeah, that's the thing that comes to mind right now, but I'm sure there's something that's like way more important. It's uh, <laughs> like, I must do this before I die. I need to have a cheesecake from that place in New York. I do love cheesecake. <laughs> I do too. I do love cheesecake. Every year for my birthday, my mom makes me a blueberry cheesecake. Ooh, nice. You know, what would be good with this dragon's book Solera. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cherry cheesecake. Cherry cheesecake with this would be perfect. New Holland, if you're listening, love your beer. <laughs> if I'm All ever right. in Holland, Michigan, and I, I will be sure to let them know. Ah, oh, right. <laughs> All right. And that's the end of the show. Uh, Nick, Paul, thanks for being on the show. No, this no, was so you. much fun. It was. I'm just thinking about all the uh, Mark Wahlberg quotes in The Departed. Like everything know, he said right? was great. That's that's just got me. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I still like Rockstar. It was, it was total total cheese, but I loved it. I, I, I was Stand very close. It's got a good soundtrack, but <laughs> that was terrible. I know. Yeah, it hates my voice. Loki's freaking out. I know. He's had to run around. All right, share this episode with your friends. Subscribe if you are not already, and I'd love for you to leave us a review. I'm thankful you shared your time with us, and I hope you become a regular. You can find links for me and Paul on the show notes by visiting allwalksofart.simplecast.com. I'll leave some show notes for our buddy Nick. And until next time, may your drinks be tasty and your muse be thirsty. See you guys. Have a good one.
Nick, are you? Ah. Oh, there it is. Like, like we're done. I, I know. I, I was like sipping my beverage. Like, oh, okay, all right. I, I had to finish it off. I was answering the questions. I didn't have the chance to finish my beverage off. I know. It's it's such a fast last call.